Hey everyone, Dylan here. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that we had a very long, in-depth conversation, uh, so we decided to split this into two episodes. The first part will be about the production of the film itself, and the second part will be our uh, feelings and opinions and like the usual kind of show. So uh, they'll be released in two separate little things. So without further ado, uh, Frames and Fools. Tom Cruise and <laughs> NASA and SpaceX are planning on making a feature-length movie with Tom Cruise in space. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> He's I mean, going to die in space. <laughs> I mean, what a better way to go, you know? I think like I think he's so caught up in in Scientology, he's doing all this stuff with the hopes that he'll die just so he can, you know, get out of it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I would not, I don't know. That's a good way to do it, right? That's kind of like a kind Truly. of a pro move. It's going to be a wild movie if that actually works. Do you find your thumbnails? I do find my thumbnails! Do you find your thumbnails? Just tell us. You have the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. No! No! Deep breath. Yoo-hoo! Deep cuts with Henry and Dylan. Uh, Welcome back to Frames and Fools. I am Henry. And I am Dylan, and if you're new to the show, this is a movie podcast where me and Henry, two longtime best buddies, watch movies, and then we talk about them and debate them and laugh about them. That's Mm -hmm. what we do. It's usually what we do just on the couch normally, but now we're just recording it, so... Somebody just put a mic in here. Yeah, we're just currently sitting on a couch, and somebody, I don't know who it was... But somebody very brought mics in here. Very kind, but they set set it all up, and it's very kind of them. <laughs> it's really weird. They tell us and, what to watch, we watch it. Yeah. And then we just talk about it, and it's weird because our normal conversations, we would start it off like it's a podcast, but we wouldn't be talking to anyone. We'd just do it for fun, you know, and then somebody came in and was like, hey, this sounds like a podcast. And then they put mics in front of us. <laughs> and here we are. And now here we are. <laughs> anyway... This week on the show we watched, uh, because of May the 4th, even though this will be releasing the week after May the 4th, um, because of May the 4th, we watched Solo, um, directed by, well, officially directed by Ron Howard, previously yeah. directed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller of the Lego Movie and, and other ones. But before we talk about that, shall we do our movie moments? Let's get into it. You go first, because I, I still, I'm still yeah, thinking. For sure, I got a little one because I had a bigger one and I forgot it, and <laughs> I will be better next week, and I will write it down when it happens. Um, awesome! Very excited about that. And but my little one was I was working at Red Rock, and um, I'm standing there, and I've been playing some of my favorite music, and a song by this artist named Darwin Dees played. So I'm making a coffee for a customer so there's three of us in the shop standing there and over the loudspeakers we hear the lyrics and so i stay six feet away 
from you at all times. And everyone in the cafe looked up at each other with the look on their face of no fucking way. What? And then it was just a very surreal moment and it felt scripted and it felt, it was funky. I could just imagine the whole coffee shop, not going quiet, but like the quiet kind of energy, you know? Yeah, well, no, like it was, it was silent, and then that happened, and it was still silent, but it was filled with the quiet uh, energy, yeah, kind of energy, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That was good. That um, made my day. Mine, mine is a future movie moment because I, I couldn't think of one this week. It's been yeah. just a pretty bland week, uh, but in a few hours. Um, I haven't been able to watch live baseball for two weeks, and I know that's not a huge deal for people, but in about two hours, the Korean Baseball League is broadcasting on ESPN, and I'm going to have my opening day with beer and stuff, and I'm just going to you know, feel like a dad from the 50s, getting every, all excited. So just that visual, you know, listen to the radio, but I'm watching the TV with a brewski, you know. Um I thought you were going to be like, listening to the radio, but I'm watching the TV, drinking a brewski, but but it's actually juice I'm not drinking right now. Sat back on my comfy couch, ex- well, except I got rid of that, so it's actually just a hardback chair. Like a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like just progressively breaks down. You're like, but other than that, it's great. It's going to be awesome. Watching the MLB, yeah, it's except it's not. They're except all Korean. it's not. It's like Korean. <laughs> Cheering for my favorite team, except... It's like my new favorite team because I I don't know anything about them, but I just picked them. So, <laughs> but I like their uniforms. So yeah, 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 yeah. So it's gonna be just like it. It's gonna be exactly like like opening day straight up. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um. Let's do solo because we've both we we've both seen this movie before, but mm-hmm. we thought we'd revisit it because we had opinions before, but we hadn't seen it in a while. Minus your viewing in a a bar on silent. Um, <laughs> yes. So what were what's your second viewing initial thoughts? My second viewing initial thoughts. I it's funny I had this conversation um with a friend we were just talking about Star Wars and Solo and everything else completely out of nowhere. Um and then the next night I was like I actually have to watch Solo again. So I watched it with my folks and kind of had a, you know, movie experience where there's a, a bunch of us oh, watching it which is cool. nowadays kind of unusual for me with these yeah it's um, a different experience it was you, you get other people laughing which always makes me think think more about those moments and like why did that make that person laugh or why was yeah. this moment exciting or mm-hmm. everything else so that was kind of nice yeah um and then rewatched it again took some notes um found my frames thought about my fool yeah um the thing I kept coming back to was that there's so many ways to watch a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to approach it and enjoy it or let it be ruined. And <laughs> it's such a complicated thing. I yeah. I think we are going to devote several bonus episodes oh. in an ongoing series C- countless, just talking about countless. that. So I don't want to yeah. get too much into that because I think that that bears its own conversation. But that that hung over this entire experience where, for me, I went and I saw this in the theater. I saw it at a cheap little theater. Um, we'll get into a little bit more of this, but it was under-projected. So I Kiss couldn't really make out a lot of the details. 
Yeah. Um, and it's a beautifully shot movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, I, I had a bad first experience with it. I couldn't really see much. I didn't really want a solo movie in the first place. I was... Apparently, I understood some why. people did. I don't... I oh, personally, no, a lot I of people don't did. understand that, but... Well, and that's the cool thing is watching it, um, watching it with our buddy Jake, um, he was super stoked to hear when it came out. He's also yeah. somebody who didn't like Skyfall and really liked Spectre, which oh. is the conversation we're having. Well, to me, oh. that speaks to something, right? Where I'm like, okay, you're flipped on these different things, so you have some compelling reasons why, because he's a smart guy. Um, So we talked about that, but going into this, I really wanted to get back into it. I really wanted to like it. I had an interesting experience with Rise of Skywalker, and it just made me think about yeah. my initial watch and how hampered those can be by expectations, particularly with something as near and dear as Star Wars. So yeah, I saw it in a shitty little theater, couldn't see much. Um, I briefly fell asleep during the Maelstrom scene, and I walked out of the theater saying to myself, that was really fun. That was yeah. cool particularly towards the end. I feel like it really picks up past a certain point. I had a great time. Um, And watching it over, it's just kept going on that trajectory. Um, I found other things I really didn't like about it, but it really came down to filmmaking and not so much the whole chip on my shoulder about why they had to pick Han Solo for this. Um, Yeah. Still had that in my mind, but I was pretty successfully able to set all that aside and just get into Mm -hmm. this and kind of similar to the way that we reapproached some of the other ones and found some joy in it when there yeah. was initially a lot of hand wringing and forehead slapping. A lot of groaning um, in that theater for me. A lot of groaning. Yeah, I have it written down. I didn't necessarily want this movie, but I did end up having fun once I got out of my own way. So you you enjoyed it? Yes. Yeah. I I think it starts rough and Oh, t- that's yeah. Yeah, and it it stumbles and then it finds its feet and then it's off to the races and it's a fun time. Yeah, your your overall thoughts. What do you got? Give it to me. My first viewing, I watched with my roommate and I had a pretty good time. When I first saw this, I did not like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was just I felt kind of ripped off by Rogue One already, and then watching this i again i didn't want a solo movie either i was kind of just like okay whatever um and then with all the you know shit storm happening behind the scenes it was just another reason that i didn't really want to care about it um mm-hmm. so that my first viewing when i first saw it i did not like it and i thought i'd give it another chance because that's this is what this is about um and my first viewing this time I enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, I didn't necessarily like it. And I mean, there's thing that's the thing is it to me it has the like the Marvel effect on me where I can't say it's bad because it's not necessarily bad, but is it a good movie and like a, is it is it like good? Yeah, it's like good. It's okay but it doesn't necessarily do anything different for me or like excite me in any way. Like there's moments Mm -hmm. that are cool and fun, but overall it's not super unique and it just feels kind of like another movie at my first viewing. And then my second viewing, it felt I was exhausted. Like this movie is exhaust. Like most of 
and I have this problem with a lot of like Marvel movies and now Star Wars movies is I'm exhausted by the end of it because there's so many action sequences at a certain point I just like flip my brain off and I'm just like okay like there's nothing for me to latch on to here it's like you can be bored to death by a movie when there's nothing going on but I've recently found that I can be bored to death by a movie when there's just everything going on like there's those two like sure and that's not to say that I hated it like there's moments that I really did enjoy but overall I was just kind of exhausted I was just kind of tired it made me tired especially with how long it is and the beginning, yes. it, the beginning, I agree, is pretty rough. I don't like mm-hmm. the 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 speeder chase is awesome. Like I love that speeder, and that whole scene is very cool. But mm-hmm. the way that it starts is really abrupt. You don't get a lot of character stuff. No. The, that's the thing is, there's moments that are really fucking cool. Like the pirates yeah. are fucking cool. The mm-hmm. his speeder's awesome. Um what's his name's like weird little sword dagger thingies are really fucking cool there's like there's so much cool shit and it just frustrates me that like that the story is not really there for me personally that's what that's what bumps me out well do you want to talk about um because the the looming presence of this movie is its um troubled production so do we want to talk about that and then get into the film itself yeah i mean why not let's yeah let's talk about the troubled past because i mean halfway through my viewing of this i started researching that again because i'd read mm-hmm. up on it a lot when it came out and then i started reading more about well, we it were, this time we were there when it was happening i mean we weren't yeah. there obviously we were, but yeah, yeah. hearing we were all this closely stuff following and... the production and we were despite the fact that we didn't necessarily want a solo movie we were excited yeah. and you know well because the guys who were we making liked, it were yes we they liked, make good um, shit yeah, Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Um, yeah. So let's start there. So the directors that they hired to do this, um, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, they have done they 21 did. Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, uh, Lego Movie. Um, what else? They've also produced like uh, Spider-Man, the the edge of the spider verse movie they exit they but that was after that that. yeah it was after that but like the movies that they Mm. i guess yeah before then uh they did cloudy the chance of meatballs that was like their first yes which is so fucking Um, good that movie both of those movies are great yeah Um, um and looking at all of those the common thread for me is humor obviously yeah um taking pre-existing properties and uh-huh. breathing life into them while also yeah. making them self-aware. So they yeah. they had that reputation, which is, I think, why Lucasfilm was drawn to them in the first place. It's like, and can that's you what take Kathleen something Kennedy that's said. established? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also look at that I think bit them in the ass down the line, um, it's animated features where it's all in the office and it's all you know, working with your team, but it's essentially this extended pre-production phase. And when you do have actors, Mm -hmm. you've got the script, but you're allowed to improvise because shooting, and I'm putting that in quotes, takes a few days and you get a million takes and you You can play with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sandboxy. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing with the 21 jumpsuit stuff. Um, It's still, it's bigger and there's, you know, it's live action, but, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it's a lot more of that sort of uh, Judd Apatow-influenced comedy where they have a script, but they also improvise a lot and they breathe life into it by letting it be kind of yeah. Their their whole philosophy the moment. from what I was reading, their philosophy was like, you know, if we do they they did twenty to thirty takes on almost everything in this, from what mm-hmm. I read. Um, and their philosophy was if you, you know, get actors off the script and more, you know, in the scene essentially and like creating as they go, giving them freedom, you get more authentic real moments. That that was their idea. And to a certain extent I, I would agree with that. And there's a lot of great filmmakers out there who who do that stuff and are and their films are good. Not even comedy, yeah. like dramatic, like drinking buddies. Joe Swanberg's mm-hmm. whole premise and the way that he works is part of like the mumblecore movement, which is you write like a an outline essentially and you work on the scenes when you're shooting with the actors and a lot of the dialogue is improvised. But you have a main point mm-hmm. of where you need to get to and you improvise the rest of it. So like there's a lot of good drama that does come out of that. And that sure. was from what I read the big kind of like issue with this whole thing is they were shooting they were doing a lot of improv, doing mm-hmm. like 20 to 30 takes. And they were also only doing there's something in here where they were doing one scene, they were only doing they only did three setups in yeah. A day. It was and like it's because two to they three were... setups a day and they were scheduled for ten to fifteen. Yeah, but they were getting they were getting it done, just not with the amount of shots and how many setups that they wanted. Yeah. Well that was a big part of it from what I yeah. read was um obviously Disney wants a lot of editorial control and they want to and... <laughs> especially with a risk, they want to be able to fix it fix it and tweak things and if it doesn't go the way they want they want options so i um in filmmaking (laughs) that means getting more shots from more angles yeah um so one of the things that i think started that friction was not only that difference in direction where disney wants high volume efficiency from many angles and these guys were like actually we're gonna do fewer setups longer staying longer on those setups and we're going to give you less shots to work with which i think made people sweat from day one fucking genius for me like if you're working in a studio system yes it could get you fired but if you make a movie and you don't let them like you literally don't have the shots to fuck with it it's like this is my movie and you can't really fuck with it now because i didn't give you the option to essentially and i i feel that and i also look at it and it feels like of all the movies to try to do that with Star Wars, this gargantuan enterprise with like hundreds of crew members and Mm -hmm. complicated uh, special effects and all these different things. I definitely see that dysfunction now. Like I really respect that approach, but I, I understand why it led to a lot of stress and led to a lot of, I, it's, I, and it's yeah. the, I think it needs to be said, too, that all of this is a little bit murky. The history of this, and history is a funky word to use. Yeah, we don't um, really know. We don't really know what happened, but we have We don't really reports. know what happened. Even yeah. when somebody comes out and sets the record straight, even when it's straight from Alden Ehrenreich's mouth and it's the cover story of Vanity Fair and he says mm-hmm. something definitively, we have no idea if really that's know. the truth. Yeah. So with all of this, I mean, I did as much research as I could yeah, me and too. 
not only did that, but like went to the sources they had to try to suss out whether or not these things um, were believable. And I mean, yeah. So we're hinting at trouble on the horizon, right? Um, so these guys did not end up finishing their version of the movie. Um, no, they got fired. It's, <laughs> it's still hard to tell what it was the main problem was because it's a different well, approach. But in terms of what they were making, it's kind of all over the place in terms of what people say they were going for. I heard screwball from, comedy get thrown around. I heard I heard that Han Solo had like Ace Ventura energy. Well, um, I heard, I mean, th- uh, there was an interview with Bradford Young, who was a cinematographer who shot mm-hmm. Arrival and uh, Selma, and he's mm-hmm. fantastic. And the whole point that they picked him was to have this really like gritty, naturalistic feeling that mm-hmm. isn't exactly what Star Wars is. Like That was the point, was to make something different in the Star Wars yeah. universe. Um but there's an interview with him where he said their a lot of their inspiration was from a a movie called uh Macabre or McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which was a western in the 70s. Um and apparently it was like a pre, it's one of the, like the top you know 50 westerns of all time. Um and they wanted essentially to make a western. Like, that was the idea. And you can sure. see it, because totally. the script didn't change at all. It was just totally. the director, and I think, I don't know. I, I, I'm I siding on the side of the directors, just because, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but, like, a lot of what they were doing was, like, calling out lines from behind the camera and having actors try stuff, and Lawrence Kasdian was, like, he was basically being a playwright, and that's not his job as a screenwriter that's not your job once the script goes to the director it's over that's a very good word for it so for for listeners context uh lawrence kasdan helped write and directed um empire strikes back yeah he Uh, directed the big (laughs) chill he's directed a lot of like good shit often referred to as the the best best so he's got a lot of street cred in terms of the film he's the the torchbearer now essentially he's the guy he's the lucas essentially um, so he wrote the script with his son and yeah, playwright is a great way to refer to it. So he delivered this script and if he wasn't Lawrence Kasdan, I think that element, I think this is a, a, a bunch of different things that all came together and just did not interact well. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if it was a yeah. different screenwriter and you didn't have Lawrence Kasdan breathing down their neck and essentially shadow directing and yeah putting that's that what was happening yeah and imagine that you're one of the actors or you're one of the crew members and yeah you feel these rumblings and you see okay this is unorthodox but maybe i can get behind it yeah but then you feel that pressure from on high specifically from this legend who like wrote like empire strikes back but then Ooh, he's yeah he's kind of doing weird shit where he's kind of out of his place but is he he's lawrence i Kasdan. think he was also a producer so technically sure, yeah. it is in his you know uh right exactly. to well, do all this and shit. that's why it gets messy in that way is because he yeah. is allowed to speak up he is allowed to do these different things yeah but it, it does it's it's it is funky so i yeah. think they also taking fired in, the taking a risk too. on these guys yeah i was going to ask you about that over is creative it, differences 
So is it that, do you think he sided with um, Lord I would assume Miller, so. Or? Okay. I, I would assume that was the the call. Um, sure. Just because when you say like unequivocal creative differences, that usually, I, I would assume that means like mm-hmm. you're on the side of whoever else got fired. Because like, you know, if somebody fires you because you won't change mm-hmm. your creative feelings about something you're probably agreeing with the creative that got fired yeah you know um so this was about four four and a half months into filming um they 70 percent or no like 80 percent of the movie had already been yeah 80 percent of the movie had already been shot um they were scheduled to have reshoots but they fired chris miller and phil lord um they reshot 70% of the movie. They brought Ron in Howard Ron did. Howard. Of... The most boring... <laughs> I love Ron Howard, don't get me wrong, but the sure. safest, most boring, Very unique safe. film director you um, could possibly imagine. Well, and one of the things I saw was they couldn't give Lawrence Kasdan the driver's seat because of a, a Director's Guild rule. Oh, really? What's the rule? Yeah. There's a rule that you can't. I know it's. This it feels kind of John Wicky. I want to know the um, yeah, the, the weird like. You rule. can't replace the director of a production with someone who is already involved with the production. Oh, I fuck with that. That's cool. I think okay. I, I like think it's that. like an anti-mutiny kind of. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I don't know what the, the history <laughs> yeah. of that is, but it's. <laughs> I saw that situation. and was like, ooh, a rule. Yeah. Um, a ru- ooh. <laughs> a rule. So they bring in Ron Howard. They're like Ronnie. Can you write this ship? And he's like, I'll be right there. Um, so he shows up. Um, funny story, Lucas, George Lucas showed up on Ron Howard's first day. Surprise Ooh. visit to set. Really? His first day. Oh, and what did he do? It was supposed to well, be they're like, buds, a, oh, hi guys, how's it going? Yeah, he's yeah. his mentor. Yeah, so he yeah. showed up and it was meant to be a quick visit. He ends up staying the entire day and reportedly he made a suggestion out of habit. Like he That's spoke his, up and was like, jam. oh shit, I'm sorry. Yeah. But it made it in. Oh, really? I don't know what it it? is, but I don't know. But whatever it was, it made it in. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Howard completely went the other direction from Lord and Miller. Yeah. And in less than half the time, he reshot 70% of the movie. And one of the main ways he did that was... Only doing one or two takes. Only doing one or two takes. So blasting through those, getting way more setups in a day. Yeah. um, Focusing more on the close in stuff and yeah. keeping a lot more of the wide and establishing and like some of the, some of the stuff that like is totally fine. And is he's pretty focusing hard on the up. performances. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And reshot 70% of the film and, and ended up replacing uh, Dryden Voss who was originally, they originally shot it with Michael K. Williams. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know who he is, yeah, but he's in the wire. He's a badass. Yeah. And he's great, um, but Michael K. Williams couldn't come back and do the reshoots because of scheduling stuff. So they brought yeah. in uh, what's his name and CGI'd those scars on his face. Those weren't there originally, which so looked pretty great. I, I was actually love the pretty scars impressed. on his face. We'll we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about Dryden yeah. Boss later. Um, yeah. There was another rumor. So one of the things, and keep in mind with all of this stuff happening, it's kind of the modern thing of you hear all these different rumors and you hear all this while the movie's being made. And for me, I'm starting to sour on it where I kind of don't want to know all that. I do because I'm nosy, but yeah. I don't 
I don't want that baggage going into a movie the first time I see it. And with this yeah. one, this is like the mother of all those. It's one of the most expensive movies yeah. ever made. They went almost twice over on their budget. Yeah. Compounded with that, we we can talk about this with the the do we want to talk about how it was received? It wasn't received well from what I what I know. It was I a mean, mixed bag. That's the funny thing. People were kind of middling on it, but a huge part there's I think there's two things that really fucked it. One is the cinematography that we touched on. Beautiful cinematography, arguably up there for most beautiful Star Wars film. Can I say something about the cinematography? Sure. The Bradford Young is incredible, and it is a really beautiful movie mm-hmm. lighting-wise. I think the frames are boring as fuck, which is, for me, that's, from what I read about this whole thing, Lord and Miller were not, super handsy with the camera they Mm -hmm. were kind of just like bradford do your thing you know like i'll make some notes here and there but like feel it out i you know be be creative um and then when when ron howard came on he was like all over it he was very very like interesting handsy on the camera placement and stuff and then i guess in i don't know how true this is but at one point uh, Bradford Young asked him if he would have hired him to make this movie if he was originally directing it. Mm-hmm. And Ron Howard, in like the nicest way possible, was like, probably not, no. So, like, and if Ron Howard had, because pro- they used a lot of the same sets, like everything was yeah. like visually, lighting wise, set wise, the same. But mm-hmm. this to me just shows like how, how a director can change the feeling of a movie without mm-hmm. any of like the actual stuff in the movie being different. Yeah. Well, it's you a know? very interesting experiment, right? It's the same exact yeah. script, a lot of the same sets. Mm-hmm. How often does this happen? Especially how often does this happen on this level? Crazy. Yeah. Um, I think road, so road one is prettier personally. As I think visually I, it's I would, way better. I'd be ready. I'd be ready to hear that argument. They're very pretty movies. Um, one of the things I can't remember, Bradford Young had a, quote about he said the film had to be about characters putting their feet in natural surfaces Mm -hmm. um it kind of was this drive to have this organic look they noticed a lot of the star wars movies spend a lot Mm -hmm. of time on spaceships a lot of time in places that are very clean and very hard and metallic and i think both rogue one and solo did a really good job placing it in different environments and you can really feel that it does give them a unique vibe um, so one of the things that sunk this because it's it was the first Star Wars movie to lose money. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, that makes me kind of happy, actually. Uh, kind fuck, of, but you it, know what? It, no, fuck Disney, man. They just they like their fingers all over no, there, fuck not Disney. letting people yes. like do their. Shit. I agree with you. Fuck Disney. The thing that made me sad was I thought they were. It would take them a couple more movies to figure out oh, we're trying to put these visionary directors in, and then when they want to exercise their vision, it's not working out. And I, I felt like it was going to reach an equilibrium where they found well, directors. Well, they, they have. They have reached the equilibrium. They just hired Taika to make a Star Wars movie. Exactly. And, and that's what the I'm, most but that's equilibrium what I'm like, bullshit. I love Taika. Don't get me wrong, but like him making but it big could work out is what I'm saying. It's so lame to me. Sorry. I know. I know, I know you have that, but... For me, it was upsetting because I was like, they just announced these fucking movies that aren't in the saga. They're like these other movies. Solo's kind of weird and Rogue One are kind of weird. But like, 
in the sense that they they are very tied to the saga. Mandalorian yeah. is a lot more what I wanted. Um, Just not. But we were so excited about it. Anything. Yeah. Where it's this huge galaxy. We love the world. I love the story, but I mean, the world is really what has you coming back. So yeah, it just made me annoyed when Solo didn't do well financially. Yeah, it did incredibly well up. financially, but they spent so much that it mm-hmm. looked like it didn't. And the executives and bean pushers were like, "Nope," and no, just like shut everything down. Risks. And they then yeah. they panicked. And I was like, "Okay." I just got on board with you guys making Star Wars movies left and right because I'm like, yeah, the percentage of the ones I like is going to be good. Well, and then they did, freaked out. <laughs> did this one come out after Last Jedi? Yes. So okay. that That's... was the other thing. <laughs> this came out four and a half, five months after Last Jedi. So fans were pissed. <laughs> pissed. Um, the response to that was very mixed. The for the record. Internet trolling. For the record. Big Last Jedi defender here. Huge, on my side. we're huge Last Jedi we defenders. Love we love it's it. It's the, awesome. The best since Ryan Empire. Johnson. It's the best since Empire. Yeah. So you had that trailing it. Add to that, Disney got a little release happy, and they were like Star Wars every Christmas, baby. I so, fuck with that though, personally. I like it. I feel. I it. I do too, <laughs> but from a marketing standpoint. It's really stupid. Well, because it was okay if it was once a year, but they went Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Solo. Well, they're doing the the anthologies every in the summertime. It's like summertime. But what happened with that was they didn't want to cross promote it. So they didn't promote Solo until after Last Jedi came out. They didn't promote it heavily, is what I'm saying. No, yeah. So you get a first major trailer. Four and a half, five months out. Great trailer, by the way. Really good trailer. Great trailer. trailer. Super good trailer. Um, Debuted at the Super Bowl. People thought it was dope. Problem being, (laughs) it's a new Han Solo with a new face. It's a fresh actor that most people who haven't seen Hail Caesar had no idea who the fuck he was. He's so good. So when you're like, when you're like Solo, and people look at him, they're like, who? Who? (laughs) And I hate that this is the case, but it takes a long time time to market a huge movie like this with a yeah. familiar character yeah and they kind of shot it in the foot by only mm-hmm. giving it this super short run-up in the wake of last jedi so it had all this yeah. shit not going for it it went way over budget so it was in the hole you had all these production rumors floating around it got nasty um i read something about uh somebody for on the inside essentially said all of these movies have been like kind of cursed from the get-go. Like at the beginning, uh, Force Awakens was a struggle to make with JJ mm. and everyone else. But JJ, being JJ, had the like you know tenacity to like sh- struggle, yeah, with it enough to like get what he wanted to make. Um, every movie has been a fight, from what I'd heard, except for the Last Jedi was just smooth as hell like it it just rolled along there was like no problems it was just like they were in they were sold like and it just went super smoothly and then afterwards is when all the shit hit the fan and yeah everything kind of just went to hell which i find very interesting he's um he's great we'll have a bonus episode (laughs) um we just have a separate star wars podcast (laughs) so at one point during the production an anonymous source purportedly an actor that was prominent enough to be called back for reshoots started like 
weighing in <laughs> on the reasons behind Lord yeah. Miller's departure and started like spreading this rumor that an acting coach was brought was in brought for in. Alden Ehrenreich, the guy who played Han Solo. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, I've read a lot of these quotes because it, it blew up. The sources were all over. Like the, that source, that single anonymous source who no yeah. one ever confirmed mm-hmm. was all over the place. And some of it rings a little bit true because they talk about Lord Miller's style involving too many takes and like minimal direction and like how Ron Howard came in and he was more efficient. So yeah. some things are believable, but other things this source said just don't scan as real for me. The acting and coach I, is something that was that you didn't buy. I can't tell. I honest to God can't tell. Um, I could see how all I'm I mean, saying is the language of the quotes was fucking weird yeah I, I i smelt something fishy yeah all that to say we kind of talked about the vanity fair article where alden Ehrenreich is like setting the record straight on it i don't know because he's trying to imitate harrison ford it's hard a man. beloved franchise that's really fucking hard it's that's, not unheard yeah. of to have an acting coach that's you know that's fairly but normal having an acting coach come in so late is yes. the weird part that exactly people were like what the fuck um but the problem was this made it sound like, because to Joe Schmo, it's like, oh, he can't act. He needs an acting coach. No. So people are hearing all these things. They're like, oh, they're yeah. firing directors. They're reshoots. They're going over budget. Han Solo can't act. And then it comes out and like, yeah, he can fucking act. Like, get over he it. He can but, act. It's just, to me, it feels like a thing where he can act. The direction that Lord Miller were taking it wasn't the direction that, Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan wanted. Mm. They they yeah. probably just wanted a Han Solo in, in impersonator. Like that's that's what it sounds like they wanted. And it sounds mm. like Lord Miller were just like, we're never gonna get that. So let's just go the other direction and make it kind of just make it its own thing. Because like, yeah, for me, this movie, I'm okay with watching it. Most of the time, when I'm watching this movie, I do not think he is Han Solo at all. I just think he's a completely different character that has some Han Solo similarities, honestly. Like, I don't, and even though there's all this, like, hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Hey, yeah. your last name's Solo. I don't think it's just like he's just a guy who's kind of like Han Solo. I'm kind of with you on that. Almost all of my gripes with this movie have to do with shoveling on the fan service and trying oh, to fit yeah, all of his anecdotes from three movies into one into big, one movie. movie and yeah. it's like he became han solo overnight i don't buy it no um yeah. so let's finish up the production um yeah, yeah. so that's that's murky and like we said it's hard to tell um people generally liked it um it got mixed reviews but in the way that's good for a movie the way that we kind of like where some people were like it's trash, and some people were like, "Oh wow, they pulled it off. That's cool." But it well, that's the it, thing is they did pull it off. It wasn't shining. That's what's you know frustrating. What I mean? Yeah, that's that's the thing that I have such a hard time explaining to people is like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, they pulled it off. It's not yeah. a train wreck, but it's by for me, it's by no means a good groundbreaking movie. Like they figured it mm-hmm. out. They figured out how to make just okay movies that don't yeah. really push any buttons, but they're not really bad." It's like this weird like formula. Sure. And it, that's yeah, and it's kind of a, a miracle that they managed to do it. And for me, it, it is kind of like you say, like I watch it and I, I kind of don't want it to be Han Solo. So in my head, I'm like, 
cool. It's a space western heist movie with some cool characters. Some super cool characters. Is that the Millennium Falcon? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And even Lando. It's like Lando's cool. Lando's really cool. Love Lando. Donald Glover as young Lando is super cool. And in my head, I'm like, that's super cool. Donald Glover being a super cool guy. (laughs) And it's cool. Doing like a kind of. A kind of uh, yeah. Billy D. Williams impression every now and then. Yeah, a little bit, you yeah. know. So for me, it, it was this really so fun good. movie in the way that I do interact with Marvel movies, where I'm like, "This is cool. This is fun." Is it my favorite movie of all time? No, but it's got those familiar things where I'm like, "How oh, cool, Spider-Man!" You know what I mean? Like, I can I can latch onto the things I want, and I can kind of gloss over. The things I don't, which is, I think, that, why yeah. at the end of this, I was like, that was fun. It's not an insult. It's not a compliment. Well, it it's is a compliment. Like, I, had a, I had a lot of fun at the movie, but it wasn't world changing. I wasn't like, no. yes, the solo movie I wanted <laughs> is and <that's>, here. <laughs> and and it's, it's funny. It isn't a tragedy. It isn't a triumph. No. It's just and a it thing. It could have been. Maybe. Do you think yeah. this was doomed from the beginning? Do you think doing a Han Solo movie was a bad call from the start yeah. or do you personally, think they could have yes. somehow done it? Cause personally, I think, I think they should have done like a Lando movie cause you have way more yes. creative freedom with that. That's we know like, a lot less about him. You know less about him. He doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be like anything. I think doing a solo movie was, yeah, doomed from the start. And I think no offense to Kathleen Kennedy, but I think it's naive of her to come out and say like, Oh yeah, we want, Fresh, exciting, like unique directors. It's bullshit, man. Like it's saying that, and well, then just, like doing it hasn't all this panned shit. Out like that, every time someone's yeah. come to them with something scary, like, "Hey, I want Rogue One risk, to be a dark war movie," and they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> well, no, no. It sounds like you know? they they like, came to them like, "I want it to be a dark war movie." They're like, "Cool, do it." And then, and then once they get into yeah. it, they're like, oh, wait, like, I don't know. Like, uh, th- this is well, unique and, and, and I, new. I, I don't think know. we should I wish be doing I had unique just, and new things. I wish I had the all-access pass. I honestly got to wish, like, my uncle worked at you Disney. Got, you got all the, the lowdown. Star Wars. And I just got the <laughs> truth. All I want to know is, like, I just want someone to be like, no, Kathleen Kennedy is a total badass. She's uh, also a smart businesswoman she in the is sense a badass. where, like, don't get me she wrong. is stuck yeah. Like playing to the whims of like a boardroom of people who are like, uh, we're a little worried that this is going to be uh, unique and that's going to be bad. <laughs> like, yeah, here's the thing: I, is like I get it. It's so complicated. She is and a that badass. Kills me because I'm like, yeah, like I get it, but double down. Like I, it just it seems cowardice. I know. Yeah, to me. and I'm in that camp. I'm like, you're, look, you're, you already you're took the risk. For your own job, you're about to jump it. off the diving board. If you go huh, right as you're about to jump, you're gonna belly yeah. flop. You gotta exactly. just go. You know what? You gotta commit or Fuck don't it. do it at all. I'm I'm diving. I'm doing exactly. it. Exactly. And she did, I guess, with with Last Jedi and Yeah. Kudos. She, that's the thing <laughs> is then, like I feel like she got fucked. Fuck and then yeah, people freaked out and it was like, Oh, you you kinda got fucked here because like you trusted a guy and he did the right he did a he did it in my mm-hmm. opinion, and then a bunch of, like, racist white people were like, uh, no, this is bad. Like, <laughs> It's not my Luke. <laughs> this isn't my Luke. This isn't my Luke. Hey, everyone, that weird sound means that this is the end of part one. 
And if you want to check out part two, you're going to have to wait till Wednesday. So wait till Wednesday and then come back and listen to part two. Yeah, that's all. Bye-bye.